Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Be Empowered with R.C. Riley. This podcast seeks to educate about queer, trans, and BIPOC, that's Black, Indigenous, People of Color communities. The hope is that you'll feel empowered to engage in activities that promote healing, wholeness, and equity within our community. Now, today's guests are Adrian Brandyberg, Travel Judon, and Devin Boucher. In this Black History Month, Month episode, you will hear three comedians talk about the most influential Black comedians in their own lives. So, without further ado, here we are. The Black History Month Black Comedian episode. All right, so that being said, I want to jump in. So, a lot of times I give, well, I always give the questions to um, those my guests ahead of time to be prepared. Some people read them, some people don't. And I usually can tell who read the questions ahead of time and who didn't. And I oh, often, always throw in, <laughs> you know, I said that for this reason. This people is why I said that. <laughs> oh, Lord. What I'll usually do is throw in some extras here or there. <laughs> be like, that's not what you A little surprise. A little right. surprise. Right, exactly. That's not what I have planned on hearing. All right. So um, I want to know in general, just who was your, the most impactful comedian in your life? So I don't really know all of your journeys and later on I'll, you know, come back to that and ask you how you got started and all of that. But um, this is Black History Month and you all are making history and there are people who impacted you um, who made Black history. Um, And I say that because right now the things that we do when we serve a greater purpose, um, we leave a a legacy. And and that's what history is, a legacy and kind of a roadmap for the next generation. And I believe people who function in their power and in their authority do that automatically. So I'm excited to be in the presence of Black history and to learn more about the people who have led you to this point in your life. So I'm going to start with Devin. Who's your most impactful Black comedian and why? Okay. Well, I would have to say Sherry Shepard. Because like you said in the bio, she discovered me. And um, it's so funny because... My family had always told me all these years, you're so funny, you should do comedy. And uh, God just kind of put the situation together where I happened to be at a party, being myself, acting the fool. And she told me, she's like, you know, you're really funny. And she basically became my mentor. And she told me the steps that I needed to take. And um, I followed those steps and, and I ended up becoming a comedian. And it was, it was mind blowing because I was so comfortable on stage. I just jumped up there like if I was a comedian in my other life, you know, mm. it was just so natural. But um, the thing is when I first started, um, I would go to her shows and I would sit there and just study her and study other seasoned comedians. Okay. And I had my own style, but I really like the fact that what we had in common is she's a storyteller. And I'm a storyteller. And I love it when people tell stories and I love it when they connect it and they trans trans into the next joke. And I would just sit there and watch her like, wow, you could really tell she's been doing this for, for 30 years because I'm like a new booty, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, so I really love the fact that she's sharp, she's witty, she's quick and, um, and she's a natural. 
And so when she told me she loved my stage presence and that I was natural, that was like the highest compliment that I could get, especially since I've only been doing comedy for four going on five years. You know? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about her. Like, tell us something that everybody else may not know. You know, w- one of the things a lot of people don't know, they, they know she was on The View. She, they know she does comedy. They know she does television shows. But a lot of people don't know that she's an author. And she's written a couple books. Okay. And uh, one of the books that she wrote is called Permission Slips. And that book is basically about, it's kind of like a memoir. It's about her life. And it's kind of a self-help book because when you write a book about yourself and the things that you've gone through, a lot of times when women read those books, they can relate to it. You know, so Mm -hmm. she had a a bad marriage and then she had some some problems with fertility and getting pregnant. And so, you know, she wrote that book and it it really became a self-help book. Also, uh, a lot of people don't know that she has diabetes and she wrote a book called Plan D. And it's about eating healthy and, and, you know, just taking care of yourself. And um, at the time that she had wrote the book, I think she was pre-diabetic and then, and now she, and then she was, had diabetes. But the wonderful thing is we're, we're also friends, but the wonderful thing that I found out about her is that she has not had sugar for two years. Girl, I can't have, sh- I can't go without sugar for two minutes. I don't even know how to do that. Like, Lord have mercy. Conceptually. Not having sugar for two years, but that's why she lost so much weight. She was mm-hmm. doing keto at one point, and she looks wonderful. She looks amazing, and I would love to, you know, shed some weight. So if I could, if I could, you know, sugar. So that's 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 a couple of things that people didn't know about her. That she wrote a book, and that um, that she has diabetes, and that both of her books are really kind of self help. You know, mm-hmm. one about her personal life, and the other about eating healthy and losing weight. So that you can actually reverse diabetes because you can, if you if you're type two, yes. Okay, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. I learned something. I know, right? <laughs> Adrian, who has been your most impactful black comedian, and why? Um, I'm gonna go with my first. Um, black comedian. This is a little non-traditional, but my mother. My mother um, was my first introduction to comedy in general. My mother is uh, the youngest of 17. Um, 17? My mother is the youngest of 17. And um, twins runs in our family. Like I have like, there's like three sets of twins and stuff like that. So I ain't have no kids. She (laughs) she didn't have any twins. You know, it skips the generation. All that. I'm a lack. I'm a. So what I'm saying is, I'm lacking it up. But yes, uh, (laughs) my mother was the uh, was my first introduction to to comedy. She's just so naturally funny, and uh, just all of the anecdotes and just like stories that she would just seamlessly transition into jokes and stuff like that and it it was it was so easy for her to just to switch uh emotions and go from cry one minute to subside that subsiding to throwing in jokes and it was so easy for her and just over the years just watching her uh talk to interact with my brothers 
and my, you know, her siblings, it was just a, a laughing riot all the time. We're just constantly laughing. Every time that I'm on the phone with her, we're both just going back and forth with jokes. So I, <laughs> I think, yeah, oh, it, it's so fun. And then I, it's just, I'm just the silliest person because of my mother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, she allowed me to, to, to find that funny and uh, lean into it and not force it. So it, it, nice. when I did decide uh, later in life to actually pursue comedy, because I was always the class clown and all that BS. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed initiating the uh, attention. Um, it, it, it just, it was a, a no brainer. And once you get that light bulb in you and you find your purpose, it it just drives you to right. do it even more. So exactly. right. I, I definitely um, I definitely would say my mother was is and still is. She's still yeah. a, a riot. So she's yeah. I nice some of now, some of the stories. Yeah. So what we need to have your mom on the show. That's what we need to do. Right. So, tell us something that now we don't know your mom, but just tell us something that right. most people may not know about your mom. <sighs> <laughs> they may not um, think yeah good that's a very good without her killing you for putting it on oh my mom, my mom knows like i love i love to embarrass because <laughs> it's that's so material funny. yeah it's why not she does that to me and to her husband and her family all the time like she enjoys <laughs> that um open book um no, she can stop. She can literally stop crying on a moment's notice. And it's like okay. the the oddest talent alive. Okay. I've, I've seen her cry. And then I'm like, Ma, are you crying? Nope. <laughs> I ain't never seen nobody. Okay. Is, like, it's on some eerie, scary. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to have your mama on this show. We yeah. Because I need to see all of this. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Now people wonder, was she really sad? Right. Was she crying? Right, right. <laughs> Travel. What's good? How are you doing this evening? Man, I got a little jet lag, but I'm okay. I'm okay. Where you coming here from? Denver, Colorado. Okay. All right. You wear your mask and stay six feet away and all that? Well, I'm on a plane a lot already. I've been on a plane like almost every week. So yeah. um, I kind of got a little routine going down now, so I'm good at it, you know. But okay. yeah, I, I've only been home for like about 45 minutes. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, thanks yeah. for dropping in here. Okay, so, so then you... You thought I was lying? I said I was coming. <laughs> you said that. Yes, you did. <laughs> now, people have said those things to me in the past, though. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm a professional. But you're here. You're right here. So, who is your most impactful Black comedian and why? Um, I think for me it was Steve Harvey. Um, okay. It's like, you know, um, I'm very big on, like, pomps and circumstances with shows. Like, like I like comedy as an art, you know, because I've done, like, the little, um, the little dive bars. I've done, like, the comedy clubs. But I'm a very, I'm a more showmanship-driven kind of guy. Mm. And I feel like, you know, Steve, when you see him perform, I feel like, you know, he gives you the, the outfit to remember and he gives you, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought he just gives you more. Um, and, you know, I remember when I was younger, you know, when um, King, Kings of Comedy came out, 
or whatnot. Everybody was talking about, oh, man, said, or most people, oh, Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. But for mm-hmm. me, it was Steve. Like, I thought, and I and, and I, I like the fact that Steve made me laugh without saying nothing. He could just look at you, and, okay, like, okay. and I, I'll, be, I'll be cracking up laughing. And it's crazy mm-hmm. because since then, I've got to meet so many, you know, famous comedians, um, including the great Kevin Hart multiple times. And I ain't mm. met Steve Harvey yet, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, so like, and, and then also I feel like, you know, Steve and I's story, they kind of um, work a little bit alike because like, for example, before he really made it, he tried insurance um, as a profession. And I was in insurance field for a few years as well. Okay. Um, he toured with Kurt Franklin. Um, I think it was oh. like a few years ago. They did like a little double headline. I think it was him and Kurt, and that's and and they did a thing. And so it was just people know my last tour. Well, Kurt Franklin's last major tour was the Long Live Love tour. Mm-hmm. I was the official tour host of that, right. okay. and I was the only. I was. They they told me like you know you come to the gate like man you're lucky because Kurt never ever books a comedian to do his <laughs> tours. So and you can't really versus Rugged Comedian versus Steve Harvey. It's not, not even one of the same. But mm-hmm. it's like, so I was like the first comedian to ever tour with Kurt Franklin. Oh, wow. wow. Um, and, and was actually doing comedy. So, you know, even now, and so I was hoping like, man, you know, on, on a tour, I meet Steve Harvey. I met a lot of people. I met Stevie Wonder. I met like all these different people. But I'm like, and I thought, I'm like, man, but Steve Harvey didn't come to none of these shows. <laughs> 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 Well, I'm gonna post this on Instagram. We can follow him and do hashtag Meet Steve Harvey. And, and, and the LA We're show, happy. the LA show was Divine Franklin, Megan Good, um, um, Tori Kelly, Stevie Wonder was like right there watching me. Dang, I mean, he was listening to what I was saying on stage. I don't, I don't know if he was watching me or not, but um, <laughs> um, but <laughs> he was there, you know. Uh, <laughs> Erica Campbell, like everybody was there, and it was like, you man. know, I was like, man, but cool. where's Steve? I thought y'all were friends. We're gonna work on this. We're gonna see Steve. Steve. You were in Chicago, you didn't even go on the Steve Harvey show when he was here, and, and, and... I didn't, I didn't know. Oh, but then you you could have done that. You know, because I you know, I wanted to like meet him, like I don't I don't know, I don't want to be like that as you know. Like a, a, me, a part of a hundred people, like, oh my God, Steve! I'm like, I, no, okay. I don't want to do that. Like, okay. I want to be a cool fan, laid back fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, only person I probably spaz out for is Beyonce, but it's neither here nor there. But um, <laughs> but, here, like, <laughs> but it's like you know, I, I, like I, a lot of people, like even my first time meeting Kurt Franklin, it was like it wasn't like in the midst of people. It was him and I, you know, because he saw me perform right. on Jonathan McReynolds' tour, you know. So okay. It was like, I kind of wanted the same, maybe big, biggest can't be choosers, I guess, but I kind of wanted the same thing. I wanted just to meet him where I can have a conversation with him, you know, so, okay. yeah. Well, keep praying on that one, because I know one thing, prayer does work. Mm-hmm. Yes. Keep speaking yes. on it. Yes, keep yes. speaking it into existence. It'll happen. That's all you got to do. Say, yes, uh, yes. Yes. I'm going to meet Steve Harvey whenever I do. I'm going to tell him what's good, you know, <laughs> and it's going to happen. It'll happen when you I had, meet him. I had a meeting in LA at NBC Universal and I walked past his golf cart sitting outside. And I, I for a minute, <laughs> I would tell him, 
I was gonna be a groupie. Like I'm gonna sit here. I'll have about a <laughs> right. Did you wait? Because like he, yeah. Because like so, his golf cart. They told me like that's his golf cart, and, and it had his name and his mustache. Like I guess the mustache logo. It was and it was sitting right in a parking spot. They're like, yeah, Steve Harvey golf cart. I'm like, well, I wonder if I stay out here, how much longer I give me something to eat. I just sit here. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, his mustache. I knew it was fake. What? <laughs> the logo, the logo. Right, no, I know. <laughs> I was going to say, tell us something we didn't know about him. And you like, this right. mustache is fake. Okay. All right. so. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So um, I want to find out a little bit more about what led you all to comedy. So this is for Devin to start off with. So I met Devin's about in 2018, I think. And mm-hmm. I don't think I heard you do, did I hear you do any comedy? I mean, you were funny and a fun loving person in general, but I don't know if I heard you do any stand-up. You know, I, I since I, I'm on the uh, committee for Blue, I, I do a lot of work. So yeah. I, they asked me to do comedy and I've done a couple times, but I wear so many hats. Right. And a lot of times I'm like just too worn out or too busy, okay. but I have done a set up there a couple times. So I don't know if you, if okay. you caught one up there. I don't think I did in 2018, though. Yeah. I think it okay. was before that. Yeah. Okay. So what what led you to comedy? Was it something as a kid you always were like, with the hair brush, <laughs> making people laugh, or what? <laughs> well, you know, my, my mom said that I was always the joy and the light and, and just funny, you know. And my dad, my dad was, I call him like a Bill Cosby dad, you know, because he was always so funny. The Bill Cosby before the drugs, you know, so. <laughs> but anyway, he was always funny and and, and um, always had me laughing. And um, I, I just kind of picked up that that spirit, that comedic spirit. So, you know, I was always doing pranks and stuff on my, on my, on my brothers and, mm. and my mom, you know, so I was always funny, and you know, later on in life, my friends were like, "God, you're you're hilarious. You're like the life of the party." And so my friends were like, "You should go and do like open mic night, or you should do amateur amateur night, or something like that." And the funny thing is, I had always wanted to do it, but I had never I had never jumped. I never did it. So when I met Sherry, that was kind of like that push to right. do what I had always wanted to do. So um, I always knew that I had that. And I guess that's why everyone thinks I'm so natural. So um, basically when I took those comedy classes, it teaches you to convert your already funny with your friends and family to the stage. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a formula. And that's how you, you kind of learn, you know, you know yeah. your, 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 uh, your punchline and your transition and the whole nine. Okay. So... Yeah. And so since then, is that, do you do comedy full time? Like, I don't, I don't know if people do this full time or. Well, you know, I, I have a full time job. I work for the, uh, for the school district. Mm-hmm. And um, I, before the pandemic hit, I was doing four or five shows a month. I mean, just running them down the freeway. And, and, you know, when you first start as a comedian, you don't get paid. So, you know, you got to love it. Because you'll walk up in there and they'll be like, here's two drink tickets, you know. And I'm like, damn, I just drove an hour to come do, right. you know, five minutes. Because in the beginning, that's about what you get. Five minutes and here's your two drink tickets. But I loved it. And I was like, this feels this feels right. You know, so, you know, I, I'm hooked now. I, I've been right. bit by the comedy bug. I love it. 
I'm not a full-time professional comedian, but I would love to. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to go on tour and, and all that. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. you and Travail, you hook up with Travail, and then y'all get to Steve Harvey, and then it's this full circle, see? There you go. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know how clean my I don't know how clean my comedy is though. Uh oh, you can't be on that with your bell. No, can't do it. No right. wrong. Funny yeah. funny. Yeah, funny is funny. Absolutely. I don't know the difference. I, you know what? I was never into comedy because mm-hmm. all I thought about comedy was Red Fox. You know, all I thought was was raunchy, dirty. Yeah. That's yeah. the only thing. That I thought about comedy, so I would never, I would refuse. People would say, like in college, when I go to a comedy mm-hmm. show, no, no. And then maybe about, oh, my son is fifteen, so maybe about ten years ago, my cousin was like, well, I told my cousin, you know, I'll take you to do anything for your birthday. And he was like, I want to go to a comedy show. I'm like, oh, that's the only thing in the world <laughs> that I want to say no to. But I had said <laughs> I would take him to a comedy show. I still took him to this comedy show. And it was Lil Rail at um on the South Side in Chicago. Um, what was the name of the place, Adrian? I can't remember now. Probably jokes and notes. Jokes and notes. Um, yeah, on 43rd and King Drive, I believe. And um, so long story short, Lil Rail had me cracking up. And um, so I was like, oh, okay, this is all right. Everything isn't over the top hardcore, you know, Roger mm-hmm. for an hour straight. And then that kind of broadened my horizon. So I was like, oh, there's a range. And then I found out that there was such thing, a whole, well, I did know Sinbad did, because he never cursed in his stuff. So I know he did clean comedy and everything. But he seemed like the only person that existed that kind of was (laughs) doing that. So I was like, so, you know. But um, yeah, so I was happy to find comedy late in life, too. (laughs) Adrian. Yes. So what led you to comedy? Um, you know, it's it's so funny. I I believe I'm of the uh, of the elk of uh, of a person that believes in like believe uh, the signs around you and um, really like pay attention to your environment and just ask the universe. Mm-hmm. what you want and what's going on and whether or not this is your purpose. Yeah. Uh, I was working a corporate job, been working there for like five and a half years and something just dawned on me. I don't know what I was doing, filling out, doing something analytical, uh, punching numbers in or whatnot. And I just had this epiphany and I was just like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> oh okay I'm bored with this this does not challenge you I Mm. uh, like this is you're just living what uh what society and what my family wants you to do I'm the first uh graduate college graduate in my family so pretty much my life was already destined for me was already Mm -hmm. planned out for me Mm -hmm. um and I was just following that road I was following that path and yeah, and it just dawned on me. I was like, yeah, I'm not happy. This is just not, I'm bored with life right now. So I went online and I started looking up comedy clubs in Chicago, found a comedy club, sent, sent an email, asked if I can intern just to be a, around the environment because I enjoyed comedy. I enjoyed watching comedy. Um, so why not? 
let's start with that first. I, I did so many things. I, I uh, volunteered at so many places and, and then I realized being in this comedy club, oh, I was so happy just being in amongst around everybody, just like talking to co- comedians. I'm giving them tags to add on to their, mm-hmm. to their uh, sets that I've seen a thousand times, but I'm still laughing and giggling. I'm like, oh, nice. This makes me happy. And then right, right. Um, a couple of comedians, they were just like, you know, they do open mics. Just try. Do, do Just right. go up there. You have a story. I f- find a story. Just mm-hmm. go up there. It doesn't have to be perfect, polished, because we're going to chop it down and talk about your, yourself anyway. So um, <laughs> I was going to say yes. Yeah, and then I remember Travel was a clean. I was like, come on, remove. Remove it. Let's go. Uh, Travel grown. He all the way right, grown. He's so grown. I got kids, OK? Right, right. I know. <laughs> No, my mom be like, I'm whatever her age is, and I still don't curse in front of my my parents. You know, whatever. That's just how she wrote, but which I appreciate. Um, but yeah, and then that was it. Uh, Brian Babylon is a pretty popular comedian. Um, he runs with uh, Hannibal Burris. He let me um, intern at uh, what is it called NPR. I can, I always forget, uh, Navy Pier, NPR on, and Navy Pier. He had, he had a show <laughs> called Morning, The Morning Sh- Amp, uh, intern there. He was giving me pointers and stuff like that. And nice. Then, yeah, and then it just blew off from there. I was just bored with life. And then I was like, I got to do something, so. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, all right. Travel, what about you? How did you bump into comedy? <laughs> um. When I was a kid, I was always very, I was very silly, and um, like everybody always told me, like, "Oh, you should try comedy. You know, you're funny. You're naturally funny." And then I used to love making people laugh all the time. Like, you know, I used to love like, you know, I come around my cousin, all her friends, and I have them cracking up laughing, and and I used to sometimes like, "Y'all laugh at me or with me?" I didn't know, but um, <laughs> but you know. But I, but I used to always, you know, know how to like kind of turn things, um, turn things around on the heels or whatnot. So, um, but so I started like doing comedy here and there, but I didn't really take it seriously because I had that, you know, it's too good to tr- be true to happen to me kind of spirit. And so I'm like, oh, you know, I do something here and there. Um, and so then 2000, 2009 hits, um, and then um, Jane, June 25th. 2009, while the world was mourning the loss of Michael Jackson, that was a, I couldn't even like get into it because that morning I had lost my 11 year old nephew. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was hit by a car like, five days earlier, and he was um, on life support until the 25th when he passed at seven that morning. And so I remember like my nephew was like like a second. Well, I ain't got no son yet, so like he was like a first son to me, you know. Um, all of, my sister's child, but he looked like me. He acted oh, like me. He was so much like me um, mm-hmm. in so many ways that people used to call him Little Travail, you know? And so um, I remember, like, after he died, I was in, like, in this deep depression. And, and then I told my wife, like, let's have a baby. So we went and did that. And, <laughs> it, I mean, that, that, that was actually a plus. But, mm-hmm. um, um, and then I kind of, like, you know, was thinking, like, man, you know, my 11-year-old nephew, he would never get a chance to, like, go – for his dreams, he'll never get an opportunity to like 
for his real pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason, God let me here to pursue mine. So if you want to be an entertainer, you want to be a comedian, you know, whether you get, you know, you never achieve it, it's one thing to never achieve it and try versus to, you know, never try and no, don't know what your full potential was, you know? Right, 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 right. And, and so then I start, you know, doing shows and realize that being funny with your friends and being funny on stage, well, it's two different arts too. <laughs> you know, yes. it's definitely two yeah, different arts to it. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so me, I'm the weird comedian. My stories are different than a lot of other comedians. A lot of comedians tell you, you know, I had an open mic, I did that, I did that. I knew none of that. Um, I started off, I did um, I did a show. Um, it was a it was a dirty show. And I did that and then I didn't do it no more. So then I, I got booked to do a church show. So after the dirty show. After the dirty show. I got booked to do a church show. I have five minutes. Jesus will give me you a second chance. He's like, I got to clean my act up. Uh, to redeem yourself. I, I have five minutes and I killed, right? Mm. So like right. me me being the guy that just jumps off the, the bandwagon, I did five, I'm, I killed. So like, man, you know, you would think I, I'm going to come back, do more five minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to set it up so I can, you know, get 10 minutes. No, I did the dummy. I'm like, I'm, I'm filming a special. <laughs> a month later, I film an hour special. And have you ever seen somebody bomb for 55 straight minutes? That was me. <laughs> you usually stop watching them after 10, so no, I haven't. Well, I had to watch myself. That was me. Um, I had spent the I had spent the whole month preparing this raw outfit that was custom made. I spent the whole month um preparing love it, love it. the lights and the entrance and all that stuff, and I packed the church out. Oh, good. And my opening acts shut me down. You know, <gasps> what I mean by that is like my opening act, one of my acts was BLT. And BLT that night was like, boom. I mean, like he was just flawless that night. Mm -hmm. Killed it. And then I got up there and was like, I looked lost on stage. I looked like, like just a deer in headlights, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so then I had to like realize that, okay, let, let's slow it down a little bit. And let, let, let me actually learn the craft, learn, you know, like I said, being funny with your friends and being funny on stage is not one and the same. You know what I'm saying? And some people just be like, oh, man, they tell one joke at the party and they be like, oh, snap, I should do comedy. You know, let's think about that first because <laughs> it's not everybody's calling. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, you know, it took me to kind of learn uh, comedy and, and learn the formula of, you know, because like I mean, so when you when you're sitting around a, a table of people, nobody's expecting you to be funny. So when you're hopping on stage saying you are a comedian, there's yeah. not a, a level of expectation. So that changed the the mm -hmm. mind of who's listening now. Mm -hmm. Kind of like if 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 I, if I go and you say, oh, I'm a I'm a Grammy award winning singer, you get up there sound like a Shanti live. You you <laughs> is it? <laughs> you know what? We never about to have no Ashanti slander on here. Right. No. I'll never meet Steve Harvey if I got anything to do with Ash. Hey, <laughs> I am Terrell Judah and I approve this message. So, <laughs> but you know, well, you know, you know, the, the, but that's the thing. Like, so, you know, I, I, I learned the craft and I started learning how to, um, you know, put together shows. And then 
I, I learned to find who I was. Because at first I was doing cliche comedy, like, you know, black church versus white church and all that stuff that's kind of run over so much. And and then mm-hmm. I even told some some weed jokes before and people like people who smoke weed was seeing right through me because I've never smoked a day in my life. <laughs> so when I'm when I'm trying to tell you about you being high, you were false flagging. And I ain't never been okay. high. People were, were reading through all of that. <laughs> right. You know I mean? So yeah. what I did was I started writing sets about stuff that was real. Yes. And I and and I would write sets about stuff that I can deliver with raw emotion. Like yeah. it's crazy. My you know, people always tell me I'm funny when I'm angry. So I don't know why, but you know, so I, you know, that's what I started doing, telling real stories that happened to me. Like, so now yeah. if you look at, you know, Travel of 2010, Travel of 2000, what are we in? 2021, <laughs> you know, you'll see a different, a different guy. Like mm-hmm. I'm on stage now, I'm telling you stuff you probably can relate to, or you probably know somebody else who can relate to the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. It's real stuff. It's real, uh, real material, not just, you know, I'm just because I think I was trying to be funny at first versus just being funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, okay. and, so, and so once you kind of get your own groove and 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 you just know who you are on stage, mm-hmm. like the rest of that stuff is, is just gravy. Um, nice. Man, that's that's kind of okay. my story, you know. Now, um, so initially, Devin was talking about learning that formula. So you, you've got that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, my question is with just being Black people in this world, not even just everything coming to light this past summer, but just y'all were born Black. So this is not like new to 2020 or 2021. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that comedy is a way to... Well, I have two questions, okay? So the first question is, do you use comedy as a way to discuss issues that are important to the Black community? Is that something that you feel that you should do? Some people may purposely not do that because they want to, you know, appeal to everybody. And then other people, like, go straight for it, I've noticed. So anybody can answer. I'm just curious. Is that something that you choose to do? I, I would say, um, actually, and I um, and I'm just just be living my truth, right? Um, I've been the guy to appeal to both audiences, so I've stayed away from it. Um, okay. I, like so, I I'm under contract with Food Network, and I did the Worst Cooks in America. I did some other stuff. We work on some other stuff potentially. We just never put too much, you know, um, real uh, weight into nothing until you see a real check, right? But um, it's like I've been put in front of black audiences. I've been put in front of white audiences too, you know. And so, and I and, and the great part is being loved on both sides, you know. Because like for example, like on the Food Network side, uh, the majority of my fan base is Caucasian, you know. Mm-hmm. But then when I was doing like the stuff with Jonathan McReynolds and did the Kurt Franklin tour, all that, majority of them were African American. So um, for me, um, you know, I want to get better at learning all of the ins and outs of what's going on in this world. But like for me, what has just gotten me over is just talking about what really happens to me. And I can say I'm blessed because 
I've never really faced me personally. Um, nobody else but me personally. I haven't faced um, a lot of the stuff that my brothers and sisters go through. Um, like every time I get pulled over by a cop, they nice to me, white or black. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, and so I do know they're bad cops. And I'm just blessed that they never crossed me. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like I'm all, I always get the good ones. I would say that. I always get the ones that are super nice. And um, I just got pulled over in Colorado like three days ago. I was so mad about it because I was having a, a very, very bad day as it was. But he was so nice. He gave me, let me off with a warning. So, um, you know, and and like and I live, my my block I live on right now is like, I'm like the only black guy on the block, you know. So, um, you know. And we'll you're see. comfortable with that? Huh? Obviously, you live there. You feel comfortable with that? Yeah, yeah you know. And, okay. and so, like, you know, so for me, um, it's just not, it hasn't been my path traveled. But I mean, it does hurt me to see stuff like what happened with Joyce Floyd and uh, Breonna Taylor, you know, I, a lot of, and just, that's just uh, to name a few, you know, versus right, countless right. others, right? But right. Uh, for me personally, um, I, I learned myself on stage, if that makes sense. And on stage, I'm funnier when I can speak to what really happens to me or is something that I guess I can really relate to. And so I think there's a lot of, um, you know, and I don't wanna, you know, make nobody mad, but it's, it's really what my life is. A lot of the, I guess a lot of the racial stuff that a lot of my brothers and sisters will go through, I haven't been through, and I don't wanna say yet, but I haven't been through me personally. So that's the reason why I stay away from it, if that makes sense. And I appreciate your honesty. I'm gonna come back to that, okay? Okay, who wants to respond? Um, as, um, as a comedian, I, I do the same thing. I talk about my life, my experiences. And I think I've had more adversity as a lesbian than I have as a black woman. So that when I started writing, I really started writing a lot about the issues that I would run into as far as being uh, discriminated against. I have a joke about uh, going to the bathroom and, and, and women thinking that I'm a man. And, you know, me saying, you know, look, bitch, my titties are bigger than yours. You know, so. <laughs> so, so well, you know, a man that can say that too, but okay. Yeah, but, you know, so they, they see you from the back. They go, okay, her shoulder's broad, her hair is short. And so, you know, I've dealt with a lot of discrimination with women, like, freaking out. Like, oh, my God, there's a man in the bathroom. I mean, to the point where this one guy was like, I'm going to come in there and pull you out the bathroom. So, you know. Immediately when I became a comedian, and I've always been an activist, a gay activist, I started writing a lot of stuff about uh, the things that I've gone through, about mm -hmm. dating, about my life. And uh, luckily, I have not had a, a lot of run-ins with police officers. I did get racially profiled right in front of my house, in front mm -hmm. of my own house. So, um, you know, I know it exists. Uh, I've gone through it, but when I see some of the comedians where they go heavy on the whole, you know, black versus white and police and, and, and being pulled over and, and driving while black and all that, they're speaking from their experience. Mm -hmm. But I am starting to write more political jokes, which I kind of stayed away from before. And I think that I am influenced now about the, all the things that, that, that has happened 
with, you know, the, 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 the murders. I mean, just even my Facebook posts are starting to change. Mm-hmm. You know, driving while black, eating ice cream while black, while black, sleeping while black. You know, so, you know, those things bother you. And, 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 and now it's reflecting in the new stuff that I'm writing. Okay. So I would say that I originally I came out and it was a lot of stuff about what I've been through as a gay woman. And now it's more uh, what black people are going through. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. What yeah. about you, Adrian? I think I'm a, a very, I'm a mixed bag of my material, my content, because I work with both a collaborative team where we are constantly writing sketches writing pilots where we do um, lean into and and show and talk about those issues that are very current and very real to the black community and so I don't have a problem talking about that but then at the same time I know depending on whether it's a, a private show that I got booked on whether I'm doing a corporate gig whether I'm doing uh a face uh, a zoom show where it's just fun or you know I like to always start by asking if there's a theme because sometimes people want to put a theme on but you know ultimately uh as a as a comedian I like to lean into whatever I I want to talk about and go from there so that it could be where I pull out personal experiences or stories that I want to talk about or if I you know the first whatever, 15, whatever minutes, I want to talk about an issue at hand that just happened that I can't let go. Because I I understand people like to come to shows as a form of a distraction, which I completely understand. Because the world can be too real sometimes. And, you know, having that hour, uh, hour 15 can be just a sense of a relief of just of the constant noise that we hear, literally noise coming in our ears and visually that we watch and the constant trauma that we have to endure all the time. So I completely understand uh, pausing and uh, from the real life and, and have a, a laugh and a joke, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but at the same time, it's still life. I'm going to still hit you with these real jokes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's really going on. So I like to do a little bit of both. So I think that because um, we're all writers, we're all storytellers. Um, and I think for me as a writer and a storyteller, it is the most important thing for me as a writer and a storyteller to tell the stories of how marginalized people um, have struggled and overcome and how and what we can do to make sure that we have fewer marginalized peoples. So black, indigenous people of color continue to be persecuted. And I think that I have found that a lot of people don't discuss it because they're not educated about how that is. Because if something didn't personally happen to you, you really might not have that great of an understanding. Like I, I talk a lot about um, violence against women. I'm a sexual assault survivor. When I talk to groups of people who have never experienced that, they'll be like, well, I never even thought about, you know, rape. And I'm like, really? 
with all the stuff going on in the world? No, because it hasn't happened to me. But you never thought about how it impacts other people? And you don't think you know anybody that has been impacted by that? I never thought about it. And so I think that um, when we're not educated and we don't have a personal relationship with someone or heard it somewhere that we frequent, it's such a distance from us, then we can step away. And so I, I try personally, I go to places and I'll stand in the room when I'm up at the mic and say, vagina. And they'll be like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, right, I have one. And I'm gonna talk about it today. Because you don't think about how you treat me because I have one. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it is a responsibility to me as a writer and a storyteller to discuss that stuff because I feel like people try to find escapes to um, kind of wash over the fact that they are too lazy to be educated, to educate themselves. I, I have a real problem with that. But I put my money where my mouth is because I got a problem with it. I create platforms where people can be educated. So I don't care if it's just a little bit, I'll drop it in, you know, here or there. So it's, it's interesting to hear different people's perspectives because I can't walk in this world and not be black. And I'm a queer woman. I can walk in this world and people not know I'm queer, I guess. But if they know me, if they've ever heard my voice, they'll know that I'm queer because I'm going to say it. Um, just like as a mother, people know I'm a mother because I'll talk about my son in the same way. So I feel like I can't not talk about that. And if you can't receive it, that's on you. <laughs> so I, I get that. So I, I think there's room for everybody out here. There have to be people who create spaces where there's a, a release from that, where you can go and not think about it. And there have to be spaces where there are people who won't let you get away from it. We have to have all of those spaces. We, we got to balance between the two. Of course, there's times when I, you know, watch something on TV that has nothing to do with being black. But that's rare because if it ain't no black person in it, I'm not watching it. You got too many white people in TV show on that little caption on Netflix. You won't get me to watch it. You got to put somebody of color. You got to be Native American and you got to be <laughs> you better have a, something to let me know that you are something other than white woman, white man. And privileged. I, Amen to that. There's a few exceptions for me, but yes, I generally speaking, I can't do it. I'm I'm with the same way because now you know some old some old old shows like Sex and the City. I never watched Sex and the City for I'm that white girls on that TV. I never watched Nashville for that reason. Y'all doing too much. I know, but I, I just, I had but to But there's nothing, but those TV shows need to be on TV. Like, I'm not hating that they're on TV and other people watch them. No, I completely agree. That's all. No, I mean, I, I just. I could, yeah, I, yeah. I can't do it. Yeah, we, we, we have a platform to, to educate people. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, when I get up there for my 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is, you know, when I, when I tell you about my life and things that I go through, it's also educating you because yeah, in right. the audience, these people may not have any queer friends or any yeah. black friends. They may not know the black experience or the, or the gay experience, you know. So, you know, and, and dating, and, and I talk a lot about dating, you know. Our dating is a lot different than their dating. I mean, if you're straight, you can just walk in a grocery store, you can be like, me, man, she, woman, you know. And, you know, there you go. Travail's like, that's right. Travail's like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, you know, you know. And she's like, I ain't gay. I'm like, well, shit. You know, right. so. It's right. You're going to catch a case. <laughs> My right. bad. 
Damn, you know. <laughs> but you know what? And also, people need to hear, like Travell was saying, you know, he has to have those personal experiences with racism right up on him or prejudice. And, and people need to hear that, too. Because yeah. some white folks who only see stuff on TV where in their minds, oh, everybody's so angry and everybody's had a cop, you know, try to attack them or something. They also need to see Travell saying, this has been my experience and I haven't had that, but I recognize that other people do. So, so there has yeah. to be everything. It, it takes all of us. So I appreciate you all telling your truth and I appreciate the way in which you do it. And I can tell you that some years ago, I wouldn't have been able to say that. I would be like, no, nah, that's crazy. How are you going to be black? And I talk about being black. How are you yeah. going to be queer? And I talk about being queer. How are you not going to say vagina on stage for no reason? Yeah. <laughs> that's how I felt. <laughs> right? Like, that's why God dropped you on the earth. Do I, do I hop on stage and like, penis? Anyone? <laughs> Anyone? They do that already. They do that already. Girl, we ain't trying to hear about that. <laughs> they do that already. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I ain't gonna lie. I, uh, for me, that 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 type of com that kind that type of comedy, I'll be real with you. I, I'm 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 very. You talking about speaking experiences? I, I speak about how I hate the kind of comedy. Like I I sat one time in a laugh factory, mm. and I heard so many masturbation jokes that I left because I just felt like we just couldn't get past. That you know, one one guy mm -hmm. talked about. Yeah, I, I I went home and I ate a cheeseburger and I jacked off. And the next time we got up, I stuck my finger in my guy's butt. It's like it, it was it was like it was like I felt like so we have so, nothing else to talk about. But, but saying the word vagina and talking about what you just said are two totally different things. Uh, but you my point. That's where educating comes in. We teach our children. We don't teach our children the correct words. We say pee pee. We say all other things. That has nothing to do with sex. This is anatomy. So me saying vagina shouldn't lead somebody to think about anything else. And that's what I talk about. Just because I said vagina, now you're thinking about having sex with me. But my vagina doesn't mean a lot of things. Not just have sex with somebody, right? I pushed the baby out of this. Now you want to see that visual? And the men are like, no, nah, we ain't trying to look at that. You I, wanted another I've been there three times, though, and I saw the contraption just open. There's some space, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I didn't even know that that just it just this man said an eyeball. Oh, the ball in this. I was I was right there, like I was in awe, like I know, I know. All right, so let's get back on track. Okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. I can tell he said penis. I was cool. No, I'm just kidding. Oh god. Just All right, penis. so. <laughs> um, Adria, I want you to tell people where they can find you and your current project. So, Devin, can we start with you? Where folks can find you and what's your current project? Okay, um, you can find me, at, I keep it simple, Devin Boucher on Twitter, on uh, Instagram, and on Facebook. And you can also find me on YouTube. Um, and I have a show coming up, actually this Saturday coming up, um, uh, at uh, Tayo, it's like a, a, a actually, I did a, a show there live, and my mom was in town and she got a chance to see me, so that was pretty cool. But yeah, I, I've been calling up everybody you know that I've done shows with, and I'm like, Are you doing virtual shows? Yeah, you know, because I'm, I'm so ready to get back on stage, but right. for now, I will do the virtual shows. So, so yeah, I have one Saturday is virtual, this Saturday coming up is virtual. 
Yes. Okay. So we'll go to Devin Boucher, Twitter, Devin Boucher, Facebook, go to Facebook, Instagram. On my Facebook page. They're posted on all, all three. Yes. Okay. Adrian. I you. you can find me on all the social media platforms at Adrian Denise, and that's with two ends. Um, or if it's too hard for you, you can just go to thebrandyberg.com. My okay. long ass name, the my long ass name dot com. <laughs> okay. The Brandy Hey, what's coming up next for you? What are you working on? Or what are you doing? Um, what are you thinking about? I well, you can definitely check out Late Night with Nate um, and Adrian. We now, now that's some real. Y'all be talking. <laughs> yes, we yeah we talk about it all. We go right into we go into details. It is a yes live. It's a fun live late night show with me and Nate Galloway along with our other contributors, uh, writers. Um, but yeah. We do we do a show a weekly show we drop it every week that's that's gonna be that's on my call I do a lot of shows too but I don't remember them and I'm no not gonna try to give you a date at all so no problem hit hit, hit my socials it's on there I I eventually will promote it so yeah. okay get to all your socials now Travel uh, mine is very simple uh, just Travel Judon so my first name is spelled like the word travel after the L put an E and then people think that's so funny. Gee, like, yo, yo. All right, go ahead. <laughs> just, but if you can't spell the word travel, don't follow me. So, but just tra- travel. <laughs> Judon was after, harder for me. After I kept the saying L- Judon. And then Judon, J U D as in dog, O N as in Nancy. Uh, that's on Instagram, on Facebook. Don't follow me on Twitter because I only talk about wrestling on Twitter. So don't follow me there unless you're a wrestling fan. <laughs> okay. Okay. But um, you can uh, also see my special uh, Heir to the Throne. They're streaming now on Amazon Prime. Nice. Um, Amazon has actually do another special. Nice. I haven't talked about it yet. So <laughs> um, yeah, you can go to Amazon Prime right now. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, and then right now I'm working on, we, we're going to be doing a docuseries now. Uh, so pretty much a little quick of the synopsis. Um, so I, I had did at the at the throne um, the the actual I filmed it uh, last year, oh, and we right. had put together part of my best um, tour that didn't involve another person like a Kurt Franklin. This is just me. I had you know a ton of dates. Um, we literally was doing four shows a week. Uh, oh wow! Into March, April, top of May, I was supposed to be doing. Uh, Glasgow, London, UK. Just, uh, I mean, I had St. Croix, Virgin Islands, St. Thomas. So I had all the, these uh, great shows like lined up. And so, bam, COVID hits, mm-hmm. right? So like all all that work kind of was like thrown in the garbage. And so like the I, what, we, what we're doing is um, so right now the places where I'm less known at is where they kind of more free and open to have the shows. So we want to talk about kind of me making a comeback, but coming back not where I'm known at, where it's kind of still shut down, but kind of returning to the stage in places where I'm not known at as much. So dealing with the the kind of overcoming the adversities and markets that I'm probably just not as known. So I'm excited about that. And that's going to be going into a good platform. I'll say that. Uh, so. Yeah, man, and uh, you know, so that's who we are. Um, 
Um, I don't do virtual shows. I did one I did for TD Jakes for New Year's Eve. I mean, but it was TD Jakes. I mean, you can't turn that down. But, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, if Steve Harvey called you tonight, baby, you're going to do a virtual show, show well, with Steve Harvey. There, we know there, that. There are exceptions to the rule, Miss RC. <laughs> <laughs> what did I meet you at anyway? No, I don't know what I meet you at. Don't remember. I, I I literally I, I looked I looked at her page. I'm like, I just don't recall meeting her. She looks familiar. Well, hold on. Let me get back to that and let me close out my show real quick. <laughs> this is Be Empowered with RC. I have been your host, RC Riley. Today I had wonderful comedians talking about those other black comedians who have been most influential or impactful in their lives. So check out all of the pages, social media handles, hashtag RC Riley Empowers, then hashtag them, then hashtag whatever else, however we do this nowadays. And uh, we'll see you next time right here. It's been a pleasure with Travail, Devin, and Adrian. Have a good evening, everybody. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. This episode has been brought to you by FitLife Give, a Black-owned, queer, and trans-friendly luxury mobile spa. FitLife Give specializes in couples and individual massage, from corporate events to spa and pamper parties all across the Chicagoland area. Massage is a form of fitness, and you need to have a fit-filled life in order to give to others. So book FitLife Give for your next event or personal service. Book now at fitlifegive.biz. For more details and bios on today's guest, head over to rcreillyempowers.com and remember to share this podcast with your friends.